First Baptist Athens offers this podcast of devotions for Lent. Today's devotion is offered by Jennifer Baxley. It is based on the story from Jonah when God shows mercy to the people of Nineveh. The scripture is read from the voice translation. The devotion begins with music provided by Sarah Delbane playing What Wondrous Love Is This arranged for flute. Lay aside everything else for the next few minutes. Allow the music to settle your soul, making space to listen for God. God saw all they did and how they turned from their evil ways. So he relented and decided not to unleash the disasters he said he would through his servant Jonah. The mercy God extended toward Nineveh upset Jonah terribly. The more he thought about it, the angrier he became. Then the eternal God chose a gourd plant to grow up and to shade Jonah from the discomfort of the intense heat. The large, thick leaves of this vine made Jonah very, very happy. But at dawn the next day, God chose a worm to chew through the gourd's vine. That night, it shriveled. Then, when the sun rose, God chose a scorching east wind to blow. As the sun beat down from a cloudless sky on Jonah's head, He became faint. Again, he asked to die. My death now is so much better than my life tomorrow. Do you have any reason to be angry about this gourd's vine? Yes, I do. I'm angry enough to die. Jonah, don't you understand? You care about this gourd's vine, and yet you didn't do anything to make it grow. You didn't plant it, water it, or protect it. It appeared one night, then died another. 
Should I not have pity on that great city of Nineveh, where there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left, and also many animals? I'm not sure if there is a character in all of Scripture that is more humanly relatable than Jonah. Not because many of us have spent time in a fish. No, I'm thinking more of Jonah's overarching theme when it comes to God saving the Ninevites. Any of us who have been around children a lot have heard this theme echoed over and over. That's not fair. She shouldn't get this. He doesn't deserve that. I was here first. I did it better. That's not fair. Lest we are tempted to place all of the Jonah tendencies on the children, let's not forget our own self-righteous judgment in determining what is and isn't fair in this world and who deserves what. Anna Carter Florence, whom many of you have learned about in Bible studies this winter, writes about echoes in Scripture, words or themes that tend to appear over and over. And boy, does this Jonah theme ring true throughout Scripture. We can go back as far as Cain and Abel or Jacob and Esau, or we can turn to the New Testament and remember the response of the older brother in the parable of the prodigal son or the vineyard workers who worked all day only to see the late afternoon add-ons make the same amount of money. And consider the thief on the cross. Anyone could argue that he didn't deserve salvation. As much as we may poke fun at Jonah for being petty and petulant, I have a feeling we've all wondered from time to time, why won't God just smite them? And perhaps even now, we read these stories and ponder God's sense of justice, resisting the temptation to say, That's not fair. I've always felt that the best ways to deal with passages of Scripture like these is to put yourself in the place of each person in the story. Life's pretty tough when you're Jonah, or the early morning vineyard worker, or the obedient brother who has done everything you were supposed to do. And maybe that's often who we most relate to when we read these stories. We find ourselves coming home from work each day, going to church regularly, raising our children the best ways we know how, and in so doing, we feel that we deserve something in return. After all, more than 50% of Christians believe that the phrase, God helps those who help themselves, is scriptural. Spoiler alert, it is not. No, more often than not, we serve a God who helps those who cannot help themselves and sometimes even more disturbingly, those who choose not to. Let's be truthful, that just doesn't seem fair. But what would it mean to be honest with ourselves enough to know that we are also the younger brother and the late afternoon vineyard worker, and yes, even the Ninevites, to know that we too are sinful, that we are undeserving, that we fall so short of all that we are called to be, and God loves and forgives us anyway. Imagine, just for one moment, that you are the thief on the cross. Can you imagine a love so great and a grace so undeserving that you are simply forgiven? I don't know about you, but when I place myself here in the stories, I'm pretty grateful to serve a God like that. Which leads us to God's role in the story, and believe it or not, we are called to put ourselves in his place as well. And maybe this is the hardest role of all. We are the ones called to offer understanding, forgiveness, and grace. 
I tried and tried to think of an example where this has played out in my own life. And in the spirit of full disclosure, I had to reach all the way back to Livy's early childhood, which should tell you something about how often my default response is grace and forgiveness versus anger and screaming. But Livy was about four at the time, and I had been scrapbooking for a few hours at my dining room table. My dining room suit is a special set of furniture because it was the last gift given to me by Livy's biological father before he died. Unbeknownst to me, Livy walked into the dining room after I had left, decided to play with my scrapbooking materials, and managed to use a blade to carve a perfectly round circle through not only a piece of paper, but also into my dining room table. When I first saw it, there were tears, then anger, before I called her in the room. She took one look at the table, and I saw the absolute horror and deep remorse in her eyes. Before I could give her the what for on why she should not have been playing with my things, I realized that this was a moment that called for grace. And so I swept her up into my arms, told her it was okay, that it was just a table, and that I loved her. I wish I had more examples of times when I responded like that. Unfortunately, they are few. But thanks be to God, we serve a God who loves with a love that will not let us go who finds value in us, even in our failures, who is open to our remorse and our repentance, and who desires our presence more than our punishment. Let's pray together. God, thank you for your justice for all people. Teach us to offer forgiveness that is undeserved, grace that is unexpected, and love that is extravagant and life-giving. Amen. Amen.